Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, author, wonderful author, and a fascinating subject to so many people, certainly Americans and people around the world. Uh, Phil Myers is our very special guest. Uh, he has a series of books that will uh, will will mesmerize folks, but he's got some inside information on a, a very interesting subject, and that's uh, uh, Jacqueline Onassis. And you talk about one of the most um, I don't want to say reclusive, but maybe you know I mean uh, hard to get at uh, folks in in history and the former the late first lady I should say uh, iconic woman um, uh, has a lot of information that we don't know about but this man certainly does fascinating uh, stuff Phil Myers welcome thanks thanks Frank great to be with you well great to be with you and uh, it's it's accurate to say right that uh, Jacqueline Onassis wasn't the most um, available person uh, around right I mean she was private she was a very private and and notoriously uh, hard to get at as as far as uh, as far as most people were concerned. Is that fair to say? Yeah, this was a shocker. Which is there was something going on when I I contacted her office and faxed in a, a short summary of this espionage story I stumbled upon, and I really thought I'd get a, a polite drop dead letter and never actually get through to her. So imagine my shock three days later when. I turn on my voicemail, and there's a, a message from her saying, please call me right away. Wow. Uh, what the hell's going on here? Wow. Did you, yeah. did you do a double take? Were you, were you thinking, uh, uh, is there any chance that this is a joke? Is there any chance that this is, uh, this uh, is not accurate? Well, not, not so much a joke, but really it took me 15 minutes to scrape myself off the ceiling before I returned her call. <laughs> it, was, it was just you know, mind-bending. I mean, you're right. This was one of the most unapproachable, una- unavailable people on the planet. And I certainly expected her to be very quirky and protective and idiosyncratic and, you know, difficult to deal with. Oh, boy, did I get it. My eyes opened up quite the opposite. She was just absolutely right there, present, charming, open, chatty. I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I'm not sure that she has a historic comp or a historic uh, peer. I mean, certainly, you know, the most famous women in the world now are, uh, you know, Oprah, let's say, and, and Hillary Clinton, but uh, much different figures than Jacqueline Onassis. Can't really say Eleanor Roosevelt because a much different personality and, and certainly a, a much different um, lifestyle and, and the glamour that goes along with Jackie O. I, I'm not sure there's a comparison. Uh, Princess Diana was different, much different. But when you when you start getting into the echelon of who the most famous women uh, in in modern history, if if you know, certainly go back further than that, Jacqueline Onassis is in there. And I, I don't know. Do you have a comp? Uh, is, is there a, a comparison that you could make to anybody in, in history? You've spent time with her, and you and you've obviously done a lot of research. Uh, is there anybody you can compare her to? Oh no, she was she was absolutely unique, and I think one of the great shockers, of course, is when her second husband Aristotle Onassis passed on. That she took a job. I mean, nobody on the planet expected her to go to work, but she in fact became a very serious working professional. 
this was this was sort of the great surprise. If she liked a story, she was on it, and she was absolutely crackerjack as an editor. Yeah, verbal aggressive, right on top of things, smart as a whip. Actually, that goes back to her roots, right? I mean, she, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, people point to the. Uh, the Hamptons and, and you know, kind of see her as a blue blood or whatever, but she had reporting in her background. The photography in her yeah. background? Yeah, yeah and, and, and horseback riding, I think, is really critical. Um, and this is, I think, something we we relate to. My, I have one daughter, and she, at a very young age, started riding a horse and competing. So I had some understanding of how a young lady gains a, a real odd confidence that's that's very hard to explain to others is she learns very early on five six seven that she can control this massive animal so jackie had the most amazing grounded centered and powerful personality it was none of this sort of baby doll breathy thing that that some of the media makes out not at all she was she was very verbal aggressive very, yeah, she, she, yeah, she threw herself into something. She was extremely competent, and this this was the big jolt. She was not playing at life. She was just so sharp and competent, but at the same time, incredibly kind and thoughtful to me. I mean, I was just blown away. Yeah, I guess it's hard not to be. Frank McKay here, much more importantly, author uh, Phil Myers is our very special guest and and we're talking about Jacqueline Onassis and you're talking about someone who has real insight into um in into a uh, an iconic figure in history this man does and uh, it, it's it's accurate to say you have a series of books uh, coming out what what's the status i mean you have do you have uh, information that is, uh, that is yet unpublished or is everything kind of in in the pipeline everything in motion the, uh, I actually have uh, 14 books on Amazon at this point. Wow. Just released them. Yeah. yeah. And the the critical thing, after the book with Jackie about this true Cold War espionage plot, in the follow-up research, I discovered the story of a secret uh, intelligence slush fund that was put together in Switzerland at the end of World War II. It was used by the CIA and MI6 to undercut the Soviets. It gave them a, a pool of money they could go to and not have to approach Congress, not even have to inform Congress. Hmm. And this, this, uh, it was just kind of absolutely mind-boggling. I, I accidentally stumbled upon the information when doing my, my follow-up research. So I took that, and, uh, and I, I did a series of five espionage books that are what I call historical fiction. It is, they're based very much on true facts, but I threw in some characters and some situations that I just had to, to make up to, uh, to fill in the blanks. But with the book on Jackie and that espionage story, it's absolutely nonfiction. Every word's true. Let me ask you something about, uh, about her, her, her mindset and, and where it was. Uh, obviously, when she was uh, Jacqueline Kennedy, I mean, she, you know, she was the face of the nation and the glamour and, and all of that, and, and you know, relatively quiet, but she's married to, uh, you know, a war hero, right? Someone who, uh, who certainly uh, emerged, uh, you know, PT-109 and all, and, uh, and, and uh, of course, became uh, even more iconic after the, the, the tragic assassination. 
but then when she uh, married Aristotle Onassis, I, maybe people were just confused and just saw her as a debutante or someone that was uh, that was just in need of uh, of of being around wealth or or whatever, and and somehow her image took a took a hit. But I I, I don't know, you know how much you talk about the confidence that it takes to 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 man a horse when you're uh, when you're when you're that young and that small of a. a a child and girl and the confidence that came along. But it, it took a tremendous amount of confidence for, for her to get involved with Aristotle Onassis because there was a tremendous amount of, uh, of um, you know, criticism that came to her. I mean, did she seem to you in the time you spent with her to be, I, I don't know, immune to uh, criticism or, or had a, a much thicker skin than, uh, than maybe given credit for? Oh, very thick skin. She was absolutely fearless, and this was maybe the most surprising revelation because as we were getting into the story, it was very clear there was overlap between the, the spy story I took to her and Dallas. And the minute we, we hit upon things that seemed to tie a link between the two murders, I thought she's going to run for the hills, but she didn't. She stayed in, and I talked about it with one of her friends that was helping us quite a bit. And the, she just said, you know, Jackie's very intentional. She doesn't get spooked by anything. She doesn't care what anybody thinks. She does what she wants to do. And this has been misinterpreted sometimes. One of her biographers said, well, wasn't she a little maybe impulsive and flighty? I said, no, 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 no. Absolutely, positively not. She was just beyond worrying about what anybody else thought. Yeah, when I... When we were, ta we were talking about the book, yeah, for example, I at one point said to her, look, I think some of this stuff is really sensational, and, and I don't want it to cause you any, any distress or discomfort. And she sort of waved it off and said, no, 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 I, I don't care. As long as what's written in the book is accurate, I'm good. And then she really blew off Hollywood. I mean, she could not have been more disdainful of Hollywood. She just said, they'll do whatever they want with it. I don't care. You know, there, it's like she was beyond worrying about anything anybody would make up. What mattered to her was the integrity of the written word. And beyond that, she just she just was immune. Yeah, immune is a good word. Immune to what anybody thought about her. Well, if you're just tuning in or you're turning on your radios a little late, Frank McKay here, more importantly, author of 14 books on Amazon. Uh, and and his uh, subject, our subject uh, today certainly is Jacqueline Onassis, and Phil Myers is the author of those those fourteen books uh, that are there. I mean, just I you know you talk about a body of work and and, and a body of uh, uh, important historical work. It's uh, it's here, Phil Myers again here with me, Frank McKay. Let me go back to uh, the the personality uh, the personality of uh, Jacqueline Onassis. Uh, how how much different was your perception going into this relationship uh, as opposed to what what her reality turned out to be? What she uh, is, well, what, I'm sorry, was, um, as opposed to what you were expecting her to be? Well, yeah, I tiptoed at first. You know, I really sort of thought I was walking on eggs. And the friend that she brought in to work on the project with us, too, said, you know, there's something you just don't do. You never bring up the president. You never bring up the kids. I mean, that's just 
you know, verboten. Well, it, it wasn't. And this was a big surprise. She was so interested in what we were doing. And as the research began to link into JFK, which it did, she was just fascinated. She was gripped. And I, I remember uh, um, we were, I was at the apartment, at her apartment in New York with her one time. And as we were breaking up our work session, she said she was went off to Sweden where her son had recently gone kayaking and made some recommendations. And a little bit after that, um, JFK Jr. wrote an article in the travel section of the New York Times. So I did what I do for any other friend. I clipped it out and sent it to her, figuring she's a proud mom. Well, <laughs> her friend said, you, are you kidding? You sent Jackie something about her son? Uh, it's just not done. And do you think she couldn't get copies? But no, she loved being treated like an absolutely normal person. You know, she did not walk around on her high horse. She did not think, well, I'm Jacqueline Onassis, you know, you can't do that. Absolutely not. Other people around her tiptoed, but I think part of the reason that we really hit it off is I just treated her like an, a normal lady, and and she was very clear. I mean, there was just nothing that we got into that caused a problem for her or between us. In the very first meeting, Frank, uh, when I, I'd been talking to her on the phone for four or five months, but when I finally went to New York and met her in person, the very first thing she did was bring up a story that's critical to the JFK assassination research. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. She brought up the story of a Russian defector in 1964 named Yuri Nosenko who came over and his information, supposedly, that he was bringing as a KGB defector was that Lee Harvey Oswald was not a Russian agent, that he was viewed by the Russians themselves as kind of a crackpot. And whether or not there was Russian involvement in the assassination, everything goes back to was Nosenko legitimate or was he lying? So when I sat down with her eyeball to eyeball, and the first thing she does is bring up Nosenko and, and uh, the head of the counterintelligence at the CIA who... who arrested the guy, basically put him in isolation for two years. I went, whoa, you know, holy smokes. And you know, she is looking at whether the spy story that I'm, I'm researching intersects with the JFK assassination, and it couldn't have been any more clear. And from that point on, I just quit worrying about it. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, how did the CIA and how did the American government deal with uh, Jackie O once uh, once she was out of the White House, once it was, I mean, obviously you always get the, the protection, you always get the Secret Service protection, and, and that's uh, always available to, uh, you know, certainly someone of, uh, you know, someone involved in president, certainly the, the wife, the first lady, no question about it. But how did they treat her as far as information goes? Do you think they were being straight with her? Do you think they... Uh, they they kept her at an arm's length. I mean, you you would know. I mean, it, are they? Well, the, go ahead. Yeah, there were there were two two things that came up in our work together, uh, and both very very strange. One, her her friend, who was a very intimate friend of hers that was working on the project, said that at one point they were on their way, I think, to a symphony together in the car, and. She turned to Jackie and said, well, you know, if, if 
anything, if there's any apparent danger, if there's anything coming up, they'll, they'll let you know, wouldn't they? And she said, Jackie just recoiled and said, well, absolutely not. Nobody would tell me anything. They, they don't do anything. Which struck me as very odd. Now, somewhat contradictory, and, and it may be because it was a, a little later date. One of my sources inside um, the intelligence community told me point blank that her Secret Service detail had been restored because of the Oliver Stone movie, JFK. She hadn't had it for many years. Hmm. And that when I went to her home, the butler was a CIA agent in a black belt, as if to tell me to behave myself. Jeez. So in the, the early 90s, as far as I know, her Secret Service detail was up and running again. Phil Myers, once again, is our very special guest, and he's the author. He's got 14 books on Amazon as we speak. Frank McKay here with Phil, uh, and, and Jacqueline Onassis is our, our subject. Uh, let me ask you, and, and again, people should go to Amazon to get the books. Where should they start? Let's assume everyone's not going to go out and get 14 books. Uh, give us a starting point, and I know you're probably, uh, it's hard. It's like you know, asking people, um, you know, which of your children should I first start talking to? You know, whatever. Who, who, what should they be reading first? What should they get? Is it squished? Is it- oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, the Jackie book, which is called Squished, because she said to me um, when I told her about this spy plot, she said you're going to end up squished in a trash can somewhere. Well, that sent me back like holy smokes. Yeah, here's the lady in the pink suit that was climbing up in the back of a limo to grab a chunk of her husband's call, telling me I'm going to get squished in a trash can. So I titled the book Squished, Jackie Kennedy, Espionage, Murder, and Me. Because it was was just, just crazy that there I was in the middle of researching an espionage story. And one of the first things that really told me that I had gotten, I had hit a nerve and I'd gotten in a way deeper than I expected and that it was tied to the JFK assassination is I started out working with her as an editor at Doubleday Publishing, but she very quickly removed the project from Doubleday. And my book with her was the only one that she freelanced outside of a publishing house in 20 years. She took control of the project and took it home. So I got a call from her assistant saying, well, if you don't mind, Jackie would like to work at the apartment with you from now on and freelance this. Well, <laughs> you know, okay, uh, I guess I can I can go to her penthouse. That's not bad. <laughs> wow. Just, uh, you know, just... No it, complaints. It's, it's unbelievable. Anytime... That anyone gets that close to Jackie O, it's 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 always a head scratcher. Um, we're coming up on a quick break. Do we have you for another segment, Phil Myers? Sure, yeah. sure. Phil Myers again, author of fourteen books. Get the get the Jackie O book. Uh, go, go online, go uh, to Amazon, and anywhere they sell great books, and and you will get one. In uh, in in Philip Myers. Um, Frank McKay here with Phil. We're talking Jackie O and talking about uh, his his book and, and his latest. And uh, stay with us. Frank McKay here with Phil Myers when we come back. All right, we'll jump right back into it. I just had a break around 20. Um, you ready? Do you want to steer me anywhere? Sure. Is there anywhere you want to uh, want to go that I'm not touching? Um, no, no, I think you're, you're dead sure. on. Right. I mean, this is the most interesting stuff. Yeah, this is great. Okay, you ready? Yeah. 
I'd like to Go welcome. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. More importantly, author Phil Myers is our very special guest. You can find 14 books of his on Amazon. And uh, the, the Jackie O um, stories are just unbelievable, and that's what we're working on here. Phil, welcome back. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, the, Thanks. The name of the Jackie O book, uh, specifically, what, what is the Jackie O again? It's Squished, Jackie Kennedy, Espionage, Murder, and Me. Kind of says it all. I was, I was, yeah. She is the one that brought up the fact that the Russian spy, who was a friend of hers, spying for America, she thought he'd been murdered. I never thought he'd been murdered. Nobody ever told me he'd been murdered. I thought he'd just been in an innocent car crash in France. But no, she's the one that said no. I think he was murdered. And that zoom off we went researching the murder of her friend. No, when. When you talk to different people about the JFK assassination, I, of course you're going to get all different uh, theories and you're going to get all different um, uh, lines of thought. And there was one documentary that I watched and, and it was kind of a cheesy thing and I don't know how well known it is, but I think it was called The Two Kennedys. And uh, and, and they, they basically went along the line of that the, the father and, and Jack Kennedy and, and of course, uh, um, Sinatra uh, had a relationship with Sam Giancano and uh, Gian Giancano, right, from, uh, from Chicago. And, of course, uh, it was uh, Illinois that, uh, that won the presidency, a very close presidency for JFK. And, and the, the theme in the movie, and again, you know, conspiracy theory, but the, the theme in the movie was almost... Uh, uh, well, of course, this is going to happen. He got involved with uh, uh, Sam Giancano. He got involved with the mob. And uh, and then as soon as they got uh, in the White House and Robert Kennedy immediately went after organized labor and crime and 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 so forth. And well, what did you think was going to happen? And that was the theme of this particular movie. Was there was there any of that coming out of Jackie O? Uh, did she? Uh, have and and I don't know if if it's in your book or I don't know if you could share it with us. But did she give you any impression that she thought it was mob related? No, no, absolutely not. And where our research took us was to identifying ultimately a a Russian mole in the U.S. who was an American and a guy who in the early seventies was head of the Democratic National Committee. Yeah, stop and take that one in a minute. Yeah. We always talk about Trump and Russia and collusion and all that. What it appeared to me was that this guy who was very close to J. Edgar Hoover, he had started out as a young FBI agent in World War II in Texas and became a favorite of Hoover's. He left, became a, a top-flight lawyer, a top-flight Democratic Party guy, and along the way the Russians were able to recruit him. And that's where the story went. Now, the, the Hoover, where these, where what you're talking about intersects my story is that, you know, I think Hoover and some of the hardliners here and this Russian mole, a guy named Bob Strauss, uh, were involved. And they were coordinating with hardliners on the Russia, all of whom wanted to keep the Cold War going. Hoover was very well known to be very cozy with a lot of big mob figures. So it's an 
to me, they, I think the most likely scenario is that those hardliners in both countries decided to get rid of both Kennedy and Khrushchev. Because people forget Khrushchev was gone very quickly after Kennedy. Because those two guys were trying to have a relaxation of tensions. Those two guys were trying to get past the Cold War. And the hardliners on both sides didn't want to have it happen. So on this side, where, where our research led was to the J. Edgar Hoover, Bob Strauss, Texas link. But those guys, uh, especially Hoover, were close to the mob. And that's pretty well documented in plenty of, of um, serious historical biographies. So from, from everything I can see, the mob may well have been recruited to participate and to get shooters. I don't think they were the genesis of the thing. I think the genesis of it was a bigger context to stop this relaxation of tensions between Russia and the U.S. and try to put an end to the Cold War. Some people didn't want an end to the Cold War. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And, and again, I'll go with you. You were a little closer uh, to, uh, to information than, uh, than I certainly was. But let me, let me go back to, and I mean, it's almost going to sound rhetorical, but uh, well, actually, before I, I, I do, let me remind folks of who they're listening to. Phil Myers is our very special guest, and he's the author of, uh, the author of 14 books, including Squished, uh, Jackie Kennedy, Espionage, Murder, and Me, and get this book. It's uh, it's getting rave reviews everywhere where you go. But uh, again, uh, get all his books. But get this one. Get uh, get this one for sure. It, it is unique uh, because of the the relationship and how close uh, closely he worked on this. And just a, an amazing, fascinating um, take on on everything that uh, that comes along. But a, a real insight into into Jackie. Oh. Uh, Phil, let me ask you something that, uh, like I said, it almost sounds uh, rhetorical, but I, I always, uh, I always assume that uh, Jackie Kennedy uh, despised Hoover. Uh, did you get any uh, any direct opinions about Hoover from her? Is is it just, uh, you know, uh, a gimme that she couldn't stand J. Edgar Hoover? Uh, no, no, not directly Hoover, but Nixon. Um, oddly. Nixon's White House Chief of Staff, Bob Haldeman, had moved to Santa Barbara, where I was living. I'd be, I got to know him a bit. And as the story came up, I, it, it was part of the story was that Nixon was the guy on this end that was receiving the intelligence from, the, from Jackie's friend, the Russian spy. Uh, and he always made a diagram to keep these people yeah. straight. But anyway, so um, so... I talked to Haldeman. Haldeman said, well, let me talk to Nixon about this, see if I can get any information about the, uh, the story. And I went to New York and sat down with Jackie and, and explained I'd been talking to Haldeman. I'd uh, written to Nixon, and I was thinking that the next thing I might do is go interview Nixon. And she, oh, she went ballistic. said, no, 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 absolutely, positively not. He's a horrible person. You know, no, no Nixon. Um, there's just no way that a project she was involved with was going to reach out to Richard Nixon. So yeah, that's that was striking. And, and that was probably the most adamant that I ever saw her in the entire two and a half years that we worked together on this. Well, how, uh, how confident were you that you would have gotten access to, to Nixon? 
Well, you know, it's really strange. Um, so I said, I wrote to him trying to get confirmation of some details of the story. I, I talked to Haldeman, who said, I'll talk to Nixon and get back to you. Never anything direct came. But what I was trying to do was get confirmation from Nixon about some information in the story. My research assistant got the confirmation from a Nixon advisor. Hmm. So it, it came to me, but it didn't come direct from Nixon. And then Haldeman, uh, who, who said, well, I'll talk to Dick and see what I can find out about this. Strangely, we were going to a dinner together in Santa Barbara a little after that. It was a foreign policy uh, dinner. You, you were and going, we parked just to, next. Just clarify, you were going to a, a dinner with who uh, together? With Bob Haldeman. Oh, Haldeman. Okay, yeah. yeah. Nixon's chief of staff. So we were going to go listen to a, a speaker together and park next to each other and walked into the, the hotel dining room, which took two minutes, something like that. It's the kind of walk in which you would say, hi, how are you doing? How are the kids? Blah, blah, blah. You know, his wife was involved in the same writing club that my daughter was in. There are lots of little chit-chatty things you would normally talk about on a walk like that. And instead, he uses the occasion in a rushed fashion to tell me that his top-secret clearance has just been restored. And I'm thinking, why is Bob Haldeman telling me his top-secret clearance is restored? This is crazy. He said, I, you know, I've, I've got to get back into my archives from the White House to research something, and I needed my clearance back, and I've got it. Well, all of a sudden, we're in the dining room. Nothing more said about that. And I thought, well, that's strange. So I go off to Russia on one of my frequent trips. Come back six weeks later, he's dead. And I tell you, the man that I walked into that the hotel with that night was, I think he was 64, and a picture of health, he looked like he was 44. Hmm. And I, it made me really wonder what the blazes was going on. Wow. Just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's disturbing, chilling, and and all of that. Phil Myers is the voice that you're hearing, and and again, we're talking about Jacqueline Onassis, his work with Jacqueline Onassis, of course, Bob Haldeman, uh, Haldeman, and, uh, and and you know, I, I guess yeah, Haldeman certainly could have got you involved with uh, Nixon uh, if Nixon was so inclined to clear something up on on his end, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would never burn the the relationship with Jackie O. I, I imagine, uh, you know, to to even get to a former president in this case, Nixon. I, I, were you tempted at all to to go around her back, or was that just it? As soon as she uh, she put up the red flag, you just kind of went along. No, there was one thing I would not do, which was cross her if she, you know, put a red line in the sand and said you know, don't cross this line. There was no way I was going to jeopardize my relationship with her by going around behind her. That I didn't do. We had a real comfort level and a real security with each other. Um, the the only time I sort of fudged on that, I had told her that I was on my way back to Russia. I'd been there 58 times, you know, so God knows they know me at the border. And I was, on, so I was on my way back to Russia to my computer programming company, and I said, look, I think I want to take a tape recorder and sit down with the surviving member of the spy group and interview him at length about all of this. 
And she said, oh, no, no, oh, my goodness. Oh, you don't dare do that. Uh, you know, you won't. I'm sure you're followed. Somebody will will overhear it. You know, it's way too dangerous to try recording an interview with that guy when you're on the ground in Russia. Well, what I did was I bought a little Sony Walkman that had a recording feature, and I went ahead and did it anyway. And in the end, are you there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, okay, I heard a funny beat. <laughs> um, yeah, and so in the end, I came back, and uh, I had about a 30-page, 30-, 40-page transcript of my interview with the remaining spy, her friend's old college buddy, and sat down, and she just soaked it up. She loved it. So she certainly didn't, you know, condemn me because I'd gone ahead anyway and done the interview and, and you know, had it uh, typed up. She was totally absorbed with the thing. But curiously, or maybe hilariously, the thing that she was most interested in at first when we sat down in her library in her penthouse is I had discovered that the her, her friend, the spy guy who'd been murdered, had had a um, hot French girlfriend. They were both fencers. And she wanted to know everything there was to know about the French girlfriend. Oh, my Lord. We skipped over all the spy stuff and went straight to the girlfriend stuff. Uh, it, it, it was just such, you know, such a sort of tr- almost charming, very human thing to see her just, again, be like a, a normal person. She just wanted to know everything about her friend's old girlfriend. Wow. Gossipy, I guess. It was, kind of, it was kind of cute. You know, yeah. We did the spy stuff, too. We got through all the spy stuff and the serious stuff and the book stuff. Boy, she sure wanted to know about that French girlfriend. So that, that's funny. Yeah, and uh, endearing, you know, that uh, you know, even Jackie. Yeah, endearing's uh, a good choice of words, Frank, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, getting back to, to, to H.R. Haldeman, uh, what was that, uh, 92, 93, somewhere around there he died, right? Yeah, yeah. So he after he died... Did you have any interaction with either his family or anybody close to Haldeman? No, and I, you know, I thought about um, trying to talk to his widow, and I just decided uh, I, I, something there was not right. Whether he was killed, which is entirely possible, uh, or not, I, I just didn't want to to go there. At least until I finished writing the book which took me a long time. It took me a long time to research and find the answers. And one of the, one of the reasons was that some, one thing in particular that Haldeman had said to me. Uh, I, when I was describing this, this espionage plot and Jackie's friend who had moved to New York and was working at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I said to Haldeman, you know, I'm seeing signs of a lot of sort of very peculiar activity at the Metropolitan Museum. And this this uh, spy guy is there. I think he was still being active even after he moved to the U.S. Um, he was involved in arms, and I'm not sure how. And Bob Holman volunteered to me with little more guidance than that. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the Metropolitan Museum is routinely used as an intelligence front, as well as the Getty and the National Gallery. 
kind of think, well, that's an awfully indiscreet thing to say. Yeah. You know, um, am I the last person on earth that doesn't know the Metropolitan Museum is an intelligence cover? But, and I, I probably wouldn't have put that in the book, but for the fact Bob Haldeman, White House Chief of Staff himself, told me that. It was in response to the fact that Jackie's friend had been working at the Metropolitan Museum, and I had discovered that he had um, gone back to Russia to buy arms for Saddam Hussein, of all crazy things. Has but any, I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, I didn't think at that moment that the Met itself was involved, but it turned out that you know two specific names came out of senior people at the Metropolitan Museum that were apparently intelligence agents, you know, involved in running arms. Uh, fascinating. Uh, again, Frank McKay here with Phil Myers, uh, and he's uh, the author of fourteen books, but uh, the uh, the one everyone's got to go out and get now is uh, is. Uh, squished, right? Let me make sure I got it right. Jackie Kennedy, right. Es Espionage, Murder, and Me by uh, by Philip. You go by Philip? I've been calling you Phil the whole time, but Philip Myers. Oh, either either. Yeah, so uh, again, thrilled to have Phil Myers uh, with me uh, for a couple more moments. L let me <clears throat> go back to, uh, you know, when, when this book uh, came out, and uh, and obviously there's a lot of things in there that people would find disturbing. Has anything happened to you since? Have you felt threatened? Have you felt uh, uncomfortable about uh, you know anybody approaching you on things? And I mean, I don't know, either folks that that are involved governmentally. Has anything unusual happened to you? Yes. Share, you, um, would you share it with us? Or? And well, I need to give it a little context. While I was bouncing back and forth to Russia fifty-eight times. Um, which ended about 2008, somewhere in there. I was under constant surveillance, it, you know, which didn't surprise me. I mean, that it just didn't surprise me, and, and both sides. And given that I was what I was working on, and given I was, you know, I walk into Jackie's penthouse with a spy from Russia. So of course I'm going to be under surveillance. But, you know, that didn't that didn't amaze me. But much more recently, there's signs of it again very specific things if, if anything it's it's sort of odd and it's like they they play with me a little bit um i came in and found a light switch in my bedroom that was in a position that i never put it in it's like okay we've, we've been here see ya but direct threat no um however i think i can tell you from the um, when I first went to New York and talked to Jackie's old boss, uh, Steve Rubin, who was head of Doubleday for many years, he's now head of Henry Holt, another big publishing house. But I sat down with Bob, uh, with Steve Rubin in his office, and I laid out the whole Metropolitan Museum uh, espionage cover thing. And I said, you know, what do you think the donors to the Metropolitan Museum or the Getty would, or the National Gallery would think if they knew what was uh, going on that the museum they was donating to was an intelligence front and he just rolled his eyes and said oh my lord you know there so there are a lot of toes i'm stepping on with this and all i can do is say you know i, I yeah i i never sat in the office at the metropolitan museum and had an officer say let's go buy some guns for saddam hussein but I had the White House chief of staff confirm that that's apparently what was going on. Well, that's not bad as a source. 
And so I think there are a lot of people that are going to be bent out of shape with Bob Strauss, who was head of the Democratic National Committee. He was ambassador to Russia. All my information, all my evidence points to him having been a Soviet mole. Well, he has a big research institute in foreign policy at the University of Texas named for him. You know, he was a, a one of the biggest lawyers in the country. Um, you know, there, there will be many people very offended by this. So I don't think we've seen the end of things. I've, there was one person that um, immediately tried to put out on social media that there was no truth to this, that I never worked with her. It was all, you know, unreal. Well, that's ridiculous. I have all kinds of, of proof of that. Way too many people know. Including phone messages um, and things like that. You know. Yeah, phone messages, correspondence, um, uh, you know, emails from from Jackie's uh, old administrative assistant, who's now head of Penguin Press, uh, emails from Steve Rubin. Uh, you know, I've got plenty of proof, plenty of proof. But it was interesting to me that there was an immediate sort of spasmodic reaction to try to uh, discredit uh, you, right? I mean, to discredit me. Yeah, and I, I expect there will be more of that. Well, listen, you can't do what, what you're doing without getting that. I mean, uh, you'll be very, you know, you, you know, hate to say it, you know, you'll be lucky if that's all <laughs> that happens to you. Jackie Onassis yeah. uh, was thinking uh, you're going to get squished, you know, and, and so, I mean, uh, well, consider yourself lucky if you're just, uh, if you're getting attacked verbally in, in, in print. Yeah, you know, she was very perceptive. I think that she saw from the first time I ever sat down with her in person just where this was going and what large forces were involved. And this is why I say she was fearless. She could, she could she, in saying, you know, you're going to end up squished in a trash can, trash can somewhere. She knew the magnitude of what we were doing. She didn't care. You know, she wanted the answers. She wanted to know uh, you know, what, what are some of these things meaning? Who murdered her friend? I mean, that was an undercurrent throughout this whole thing. Who murdered her friend? Is there... Well, well go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. When, when you're, and, and there was one particular phone message at the beginning. Uh, I was getting anonymous phone calls. And one of them said, the music of the 60s is the same as the music in the late 80s. Just remember that. Click. Well, I thought, that's awfully strange. What does that mean? Music. At the time, we had nothing in the 60s and nothing in the late 80s. We were looking at the 50s. Well, as we went along, it became very clear that it was suggesting that there was a link between the death of her Russian friend and the death of her husband. It, it became absolutely unavoidable as a conclusion. She was in. You know, she, like I say, fearless. And so, I, you know, if she could be fearless, I'm so not going to worry about it. Yeah, well, so uh, listen, yeah. uh, Squished Jackie Kennedy Espionage, Murder and Me by Philip Myers is the book that we've been focusing on. Frank McKay here with Phil Myers. I, I want to thank you, first of all, for being here, and hopefully I can get you back for a part two. There's so much more to to talk about. And um, listen, congratulations on, on all your success and you know, 14 books and, and certainly this, uh, the access that you, you uh, got from uh, Jackie O uh, and, and the, 
what you did with it and making it public. Frank McKay here with Phil. Uh, Phil, just give us, in closing, we got, we've got about uh, 30 seconds, uh, give us a website or a social media site where people can go and follow what you're doing. Yeah, the, the easiest thing is to go to facebook.com slash author P-H-I-L-M-Y-E-R-S-A-U-T-H-O-R, all one word. And it's the same if you go to YouTube or Instagram or Twitter um, and just type in Phil Myers author, all this stuff will pop up. Uh, I have videos on YouTube to, to talk about different pieces of the puzzle. So that's, that's great. Wow. Phil, thank you very much for being here. And again, let's get you back. Okay, thanks. Anytime, Frank. Phil Myers, everyone, a wonderful author, 14 books on Amazon, but get this one, Squished, uh, Jackie Kennedy, Espionage, Murder, and Me by Philip Myers. Uh, get this book. It's uh, wonderful, and, and you can tell you just uh, fascinating information that you won't get anywhere else. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down.